You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, God, thanks for your goodness and your loving kindness, and um, thank you for a beautiful morning and for the fall. And um, I pray, God, that you would just uh, speak and direct us and ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this is uh, part two, class two of a long series about uh, basically a biblical theology on parenting. So we're looking at um, some of the more concentrated passages about parenting in Scripture to kind of build, to look at some of the concepts of what the Bible actually says about parenting. And then we're going to look at some of the stories that have to do with families, uh, parent-child relationships, and kind of apply those concepts um, into... Uh, the, into those stories and those situations. We'll talk about uh, fear in parenting and sibling rivalry and, um, you know, uh, projecting yourself onto your kids and things like that. So it'll be, it'll be practical and good. One thing that's interesting is, like, there's not a ton of, tons of very explicit practical direction about parenting in Scripture. And the reason for that, I, I, I think, is because, like, the principles that have to do with living like a, a loving, godly life that just naturally flow out of scripture and the gospel apply into your parenting, you know, like <laughs> treating people with kindness and with patience and empathy and things like that. Like that, that's the core, the, you know, the things that we're, the ways that we're supposed to relate to people as a believer in response to the gospel naturally apply to our kids as well. Uh, so this week we're going to look at parenting in Proverbs and, um, this is uh, this was cool. This was I, I, I pulled out every proverb that has to do with parenting and scripture. The second sheet you have here, scripture verses. It includes all those, so you can just look at that. And uh, but we're, we're going to actually kind of start in Psalm one eleven at the top there. But a couple of things before we get into proverbs. It's it's um, proverbs can be a really helpful and encouraging book. It can also be a somewhat dangerous book if you don't know how to read and interpret the Proverbs. So there are two, um, two critical principles to know about Proverbs um, as, as we start to have this conversation about parenting in the Proverbs. And the first is that the Proverbs are principles. They are not promises. Principles, not promises. Very important. Uh, for example, one, one proverb is train up a child in the way he should go and even when he is old, he will not depart. That's Proverbs 22.6. Well, a lot of times people will read that as a promise and think, oh, like if I take my kid to church and we pray with them and we you know, point them in, in, the, in the direction of Christ, then that, that is a promise and a guarantee that, you know, your, um, that my child is going to be a church-attending, Jesus-loving Christian as an adult. Uh, in fact, I can remember... Um, uh, a Sunday school teacher growing up saying to parents who had a very wayward child, they quoted this and they said, look, y'all done all the right things. He's going to come around. That is not true. Like, it's not true. Um, there's no, that's, this is not a promise, but this is a general principle. Like in general, if you do train up a child to follow Christ, generally that does tend to be what happens, but that's not all the time. That's not all the time. It's not a promise. It's just a general principle. Um, and so, so with that being said, we read these as principles, not promises. Something that's, that's worth knowing is that um, Proverbs are very black and white. Uh, and, and, and so you can, you can see, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. That's, that seems very black and white, very concrete. 
Well, the Ecclesiastes, same author, Solomon, um, is kind of written in some ways as a counter to Proverbs. Because Ecclesiastes is like, the whole world is gray. Nothing is certain. You know, nothing is predictable. The only things that are predictable are that you're going to die, life's going to be hard, and God is good, and the best thing you can do is to love, follow, and obey God. That's pretty much, everything else is up for grabs in, in Ecclesiastes. So it's good to know that that corresponds to Proverbs. All right, second thing to understand when you read the Proverbs is in, in different books of the Bible, you'll have what you call a hermeneutic verse. Hermeneutic verse is a verse through which the whole, that whole book of Scripture is interpreted through. Um, so, for example, uh, the book of James. The book of James, I can't remember the verse. Uh, I think it's 117. But it says, these are the marks of true religion. Uh, to, to care for the, the widow, the orphan, to, to remain unstained from the world. That's a paraphrase. Well, that's, that's what the whole book of James is kind of filtered through, is what are the marks of true religion? What are the marks of faithfulness? And so you kind of read all of, um, you read all of the book of James with that verse in consideration. Well, with the book of Proverbs, uh, the, the hermeneutic verse is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So all Proverbs have to do with how do we live in the fear of the Lord. And so... So that being said, all of these uh, parenting, um, all these parenting proverbs are all kind of subordinate to the greater concept of living in the fear of the Lord. What does it look like to parent in the fear of the Lord? So let's talk for a second um, about what the fear of the Lord is. I think a really, uh, I think a lot of times when we hear that, it's like to be terrified of God. <laughs> um, and that's, that's not really what's going on there. I mean, there is, there is this sense of like to have a reverent awe of who God is. That's true. But I think practically the best way to think about the fear of the Lord is to be clear about who God is and who you are in relation to God. Um, to be clear about God's capabilities, God's attributes, um, God's supremacy, his perfection, his omniscience, his omnipotence, all of these things. And then to realize, like, I am not those things. Like, I am not God. I do not have the capabilities. I do not have the power. I do not have the abilities of God. And therefore, I have to live in a way where I trust um, and rely on him. Um, and so let's look at uh, Psalm 11. It's on page three of your handout. If you, I'm sorry, if you didn't pick up the handout on the corner over there, um, that um, you're going to want that guy. Uh, I'll tell you what, Sam, would you mind uh, picking up that stack of handouts there? And anyone who doesn't have one, raise your hand and Sam will be the teacher's pet and hand it out. But on page three, um, um, on page three, um, uh, Psalm 111, um, starting in verse 1, praise the Lord. What you're going to notice here is that the last verse, verse 10 of Psalm 111, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. So that's the last verse. That's what everything's building to in Psalm 11. But notice that it's going to be Psalm 111 leading up to the fear of the Lord is going to be all about the character, the attributes, and the works of God. Who God is to inform us uh, and who we're not. We're not God, and therefore we live in reliance and trust in Him. So praise the Lord. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. 
full of splendor and majesty in his, is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. And then the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. Uh, worksheet. Um, yeah, okay, so you can see, look at, the, look at some of these words, look at some of this language. Full of splendor, majesty, great are his works, gracious and merciful. Um, the, he has the, the power of his works, righteous, just. Uh, his, his precepts are established forever and ever. Holy and awesome is his name. Okay, so when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we, you can kind of divide the character of God into the communicable, communicable attributes of God and the incommunicable attributes of God. The communicable attributes of God are characteristics of God that through the Holy Spirit we can imitate. Like we can be kind, we can be forgiving, we can be gracious. Um, those are those are things that you know we that are you know within our creation, within our capabilities, through the power of the Holy Spirit, ways that we can imitate God. But then you have the incommunicable attributes of God, and those are aspects of God's character that we, can, we cannot be. We cannot, we cannot be wondrous. We cannot be majestic. We cannot be all-powerful. We cannot be all-knowing. Um, we cannot be perfectly pure and holy and perfectly wise, right? Like, on one hand, we're creatures, so we're finite. On the other hand, we're sinners. So, so with that being said, when it comes to the fear of the Lord, the incommunicable attributes of God, the characteristics of God that we are not capable of imitating are very much kind of in play and at the top of mind. Um, and so here's why this is such a good word. The fear of the Lord in parenting is such a good word. Is I, don't, I cannot think of any seat or role in life where a person presumes their own divinity like parenting. Um, I know that myself. For one, we feel the sense that like we have to save our kids. We feel a sense that we have to be the Lord of our kids' life. We feel like everything is on our shoulders in terms of our children's you know, future and their livelihood and their character and the quality of their relationships and things like that. Um, yeah, we feel tons and tons of pressure. We feel like it is absolutely um, our responsibility to be their great protector in every way. And like, obviously, as it pertains to people in our children's life, yes. Amongst human beings in our kids' life, yes, we do have the, the most influential and the most central role. And that does not mean in any way that we have or possess the incommunicable attributes of God. Um, and so it's like we, we um, a lot of times go down the road of feeling like, we have to function as the God of their life, and yet we are doing it without the capabilities that the Lord God has, um, which is why it's such a cluster. <laughs> so <coughs> all that being said, a really, this is why the fear of the Lord is a very, very helpful thing in parenting, 
Because you have to recognize that, like, God is actually the God of your child's life. Like, he's got that covered. Um, he, he, you know, he's good. He's good. And he actually is a more capable and competent parent than, than I am and, and you are. Um, he is more competent and capable than we are. And he actually cares about our kids more than we do, which is amazing. Um, so with that being said, that's a freeing thing. Like we want to be faithful. I think that's, I think it's a really helpful word. Faithful is like, this is my role. These are my capabilities and my capability. My role is, is limited. My capabilities are limited too. And within, with that recognition, like I just want to, you know, do my best within those confines and principles and like God, everything outside that little box of my, my role, my capabilities, like God's got all that. And he's actually with me and blessing me within my, my little realm of control that I'm trying to be faithful with him. He's actually in control of that, that realm too. It's not like, you know, he's boxed out of this little circle that I'm showing. Like he's in that circle too. But you know, like when we talk about protecting our kids, like your kids go to school, there's not much you can do to protect them, you know? You, you have no control over whether or not they're going to jump off the top of the, the jungle gym or whether or not they're going to sneak into the chemistry lab and try to make a bomb. I have a friend who did that <laughs> in junior high school. Um, and, uh, yeah, funny story there. Threw it out the window of, like, the upstairs locker room at Mountain Brook High School, and, you know, um, out it went. Um, that didn't go well. He's a, he's a professor at Vanderbilt now. Great story. He was he was just absolutely so out of control as a middle school kid for a number of reasons, um, and uh, he had a teacher who was so exhausted by him and so frustrated by him, and I think it's probably reasonable that she said to him, "This is so terrible. You're going to be a garbage collector one day if you keep this up." And every time you'd get like a degree after a degree after a degree, I'd say, "Not bad for a garbage collector." Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's like the head of, of a doctoral program at Vanderbilt now. <laughs> Pretty good for a garbage collector. Um, but anyhow, like you, back to, the, back to things, of, things of relevance. Um, yeah, like there are just so many, so many uh, realms and so much territory within which we just don't have any control over our kids, particularly their will. Like that, that we don't, we cannot control their will. If you haven't figured that out in parenting yet. So anyhow, so that being said, as we look at some of these observations and some of the trends related to parenting in the Proverbs, we want to keep in mind that they all subordinate to and are all uh, centrally informed by the fear of the Lord. So the first observation is, we said, starts with the fear of the Lord. Um, the second, though, is that the word instruct and discipline appears frequently. So the role of a parent as a teacher and discipler. So Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. So hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. So this is an admonition to a child, like listen to your parents. Like they, they're not idiots. What they, what they have, like what they have to share with you actually is, is for your benefit. Um, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's really key for us to, we need um, the, the purifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us stay focused on the way they should go. Because a lot of times the way we think they should go is actually defined by our idols and by society's idols rather than scripture defining the way they should go. 
Proverbs 4.1, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. And then uh, Proverbs 6.10, My son, keep your father's commandments, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So you can see here, you know, a part of the role of a parent is a, is a teacher. Um, and that's, that's kind of what discipleship a lot of times, uh, by definition, looks like. Disciple, the Latin word for disciple is discipulus, which means student. So it infers like a student-teacher type relationship. Now, we will, um, at the end, talk about, um, talk about how teaching relates to other aspects of parenting, particularly prayer and modeling. But, hey, that's, that's part of it. So when you feel, um, when you are kind of like imparting wisdom into your kid's life, like you're living into your role as a parent. Uh, and, and, you know, you've got you to be careful not to be too, too teachy. But a lot of times I think we're afraid of like, I don't want to sound all preachy. But, you know, in reality, that, that's, part of, that's part of your role that the Lord's given you. Um, so within that, too, you also see a trend and a theme that a person who rejects the instruction and authority of their parents is asking for misery. <laughs> uh, Proverbs 13:1, a wise son hears his father's instructions, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Uh, Proverbs 15:5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Uh, Proverbs twenty three twenty two. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Okay, so so let me instead like <coughs> this is something I think it's kind of a refrain. I don't know if you have these things like uh, that you you know you say to your kids over and over again, and you're going you you always say that no no no. But like I think when when our kids uh, are like flagrantly disobedient. Something that I often say is, hey, look, I told you um, not to do this, and you looked me in the face, and you did it, and uh, you, like, you know, you were being disobedient. Here's the deal. Like, it's my, I've got to discipline you because if you won't obey mommy and daddy, then you're definitely not going to obey God. And if you're not going to obey God, life is not going to go very well. <laughs> and so um, uh, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a principle, not a promise, but that. That, that's pretty much right here. Um, okay, so that, that first thing has to do with instruction and you know, the roles in a, as a kind of a teacher or instructor or mentor to your children. All right, third theme is modeling as a parent is key. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 7, The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. I think the, old, the, more I, the, the farther I get, or further I get into the parenting game, um, the more I start to realize like the power of modeling as kind of the way we lead and teach our kids, uh, because I like teach for a living, uh, that's, uh, I, I tend to um, just think more about you know, telling them to do things and like giving them insights and wisdom. And, uh, and I, but in, in reality, um, and that's, that's, that's good and all, but in reality, I think that you know, our, what we model um, is probably a po- more powerful way that we teach. As they say that um, values are caught, not taught. There you go. Values are caught, not taught. Thank you for finishing that. Whoever did. Yeah, values are caught, not taught. Um, so, you know, like here's an example. I, I can think of a, a family, and, um, you know, their kids have a real, like, compassion and sensitivity to the poor. And it's not something I think their parents are like have necessarily explicitly said, but their parents keep in their car these like uh, these like food packs 
for homeless people who might they might see on the road. So it has like a bottle of water, has a granola bar, you know, just has stuff, and they just keep it in the back seat. So if they're on that light on Lakeshore Drive, uh, you know, we all know that light, and um, uh, or, or various various lights around Birmingham, the the exit off of 459 to go up uh, 280. You know, their parents always had that, and they would hand it off, and you know, be kind and dignified to the person. Or just like, you know, if you're a family and you're on the street or you're, you know, somewhere where you encounter homeless people uh, or people who are poor or mentally ill, you know, like the, the tone with which you regard them, the way that you dignify your humanity, like that is probably way more powerful in terms of teaching your kids about having compassion and uh, a gentle heart for the, for the vulnerable and the poor than necessarily just saying it, right? Um, actions speak louder than words. But, um, but yeah, so I think modeling, modeling is, uh, I, I, so let me throw out one other thing. And this is one thing I was convicted about, about the last election cycle. And that is, um, I think a lot of times the way that parents talk about public figures uh, can, 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 can model either positively or negatively um, just the way that we treat people. Like, um, I, I think that a lot of times um, there can be a temptation among parents to just like feel like it's excusable to dog the other side, whatever that side is, you know, whoever the president is, whoever the governor is, whoever, you know, whoever the public figure may be. But I think there's a real opportunity, like when we talk about public figures, especially if it's not someone necessarily that you voted for, who's in your party or whatnot, but to, you know, to say like, that's our president, that's our governor, that's our senator, like, you know, and that's who God's appointed, and we want to pray for them and support them. They've got a hard job, you know, da 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 So, modeling being key. Um, all right, number four. Uh, and by the way, and the key thing is modeling repentance. That's the most important thing to model. Most important thing, because, like, <laughs> there's just, like, no chance that we're going to model, like, perfect righteousness. That's just not, that's just not, that's, that's not sustainable for, like, 30 minutes, for me at least. <laughs> Um, so with that being said, the most important thing to model is repentance and humility. They're like, hey, I did wrong, and, uh, and please forgive me. Like, the way I was acting in this way was wrong. So modeling repentance is critical. All right, number four, correction is a part of the role of discipling children. Um, Proverbs twenty nine seventeen: discipline your children, and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. Principle, not a promise. Proverbs 3.12, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So, uh, man, it's not fun, right? It is not fun, like, disciplining your kids and correcting your kids. And it's like, you know, part of the role. It's part of the job. So, um, and it's, it's really important. You see a lot about it in Scripture. Um, and it's part of how we love our kids. And so, um, yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago. When we talked about the permissive parent versus the authoritarian parent um, versus the authoritative parent. And so the, um, authori- the authoritarian parent disciplines without any, without any like, intimate connection with the child. The permissive parent doesn't do any discipline, and neither are good for a child. So um, disciplining our kids in a constructive, uh, under-control way um, is critical. Paul Tripp, uh, Anna Harris and I got to interview him on a podcast. Um, it was like, it was awesome. We, it was it actually got a little bit awkward because it was videotaped and she and I were like taking notes through the whole interview. We just like totally went out of like interviewer mode and we're just 
writing down notes. And so on the video of it, it's, uh, it's like they, we totally forgot that we're supposed to be like, you know. but anyhow, it's really good. You can listen to it on the Root Parent podcast. But Paul Tripp said, like, I know this is something that was really convicting to me, said we, get, we can get so frustrated with our kids when they need to be disciplined and when they are like acting out and doing all this kind of stuff and we get so frustrated with them it's such it's because it's you know it's an inconvenience and so on and so forth and paul tripp says don't get mad at your kids because they need parenting like that's kind of, that's kind of the deal um so yeah so the correction and discipline is part of it um okay last trend that we saw and we'll hit a little application to land the plane and that is there are tons of references to the pain which a child living in an ungodly manner causes their parents, and the joy which righteous which which righteous which a, ch- a child living in a righteous way brings, um, it tells us that parenting is develop is at the core is character development. Also, it speaks to the inherent pain of parenting. And there are a ton, I mean, a ton of proverbs about like when your child is um, you know living in an un- ungodly way, how much pain that causes a parent. If you've ever um, uh, either yourself or uh, your own parents or a parent you know, um, you know, a child who is like really wayward, a child who is like deeply caught in addiction. If you've ever seen that, that's just like so painful for parents. Or if your kid is, I mean, it's, it's horrible for your kid to, to be like a victim of bullying. Oh man, it's a whole lot worse if your kid is the bully. Um, so with that being said, it does, it just spoke a lot to the inherent pain of parenting. Um, and it, and it really focused on the pain of like when your child is kind of living in a way where they're, um, yeah, making bad choices, how painful and difficult that can be for a parent. So, um, I, I was, I'd never really noticed that. And I thought that was an interesting observation. All right. So final thing here to land the plane, um, applications. First is we had an interview with uh, Ligon Duncan, who's the chancellor of Reformed Theological Seminary, and Laura's old pastor. Isn't that right? Did he did he baptize you? No, he married you. Boom. Okay, so Ligon Duncan made this um, this great observation. He uh, he said parents generally first want to teach, then they want to model, then they want to pray. And he said in reality. You want to pray first. And that, that really lives into and speaks to the fear of God. Because when you pray, you're recognizing like you're recognizing your limitations. And you're recognizing God's capabilities as the Lord God, um, the gracious Lord God. And so he says, pray first. That's, that's where we, if, if there's one thing to really like uh, focus on as a parent, it's praying for your child. Then he said, the second thing is... Um, Think about modeling next. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're gonna focus, you know, pray first. Next, think about modeling. Think about the way you're living and um, what what that is teaching to your children, just by example. And he says, and then teach last. And he said the, the danger is um, the danger is if you teach first, model second, pray last, is there that kind of presumes uh, probably too much control on behalf of the parent. Um, and so, especially if you're praying last, when you're praying a lot for your child, that's demonstrating like my trust is in God for my child's life. Um, because you're really in a sense, when you're praying, you're surrendering control and you're putting the ball in God's court. And so with that being said, uh, when we parent, presuming that we're God 
that's when our worst parenting occurs. Uh, when we are hyper-controlling, um, that's when we get really angry when our kids like disobey, when they're acting up. That's when we get um, really hasty and we get pushy with our kids and put pressure on them. Um, but when we pray like in a place where we recognize God's in control, we have our small role. We want to be faithful in that, but ultimately our trust in God. That enables us to be a more like patient parents. Um, yeah, to move more slowly, to be more calm, to be more gracious. Um, yeah. And so pray first, model second, teach last. All right. And then last, the fear of the Lord is freeing for a parent. Um, I think it's, I think this, this faith and family Sunday school class, if we just like, if all we did every week is talk about like, Hey, the Lord is great. The Lord has, is in total control. He is so gracious. He has known your child before the world was founded. He's had a plan for your child's life before the foundation of the world. Um, He is with your child all the time. In the moments when we cannot see our child, the Lord God can see our child. Um, And he's omniscient. We're not all this. If we just talked about the greatness of God and our limitations as creatures and as sinners, that would probably be a worthwhile endeavor, right? And so living, that's, that's what the fear of the Lord is. Is, is, is living with the clarity of who God is and who we're not and, and, tr- and trusting the Lord in that way. Trusting the Lord in that way. So um, that's all I have. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.